0: call to worship our call to worship comes from isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 and 2 there shall come a come forth a shoot from the stump of jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit and the spirit of the lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord
1: Thank you
2: Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this glorious day you've given us to come together and worship you. We thank you for the beautiful weather, the sunshine, the warmth, uh, spring, the reminder that all life comes anew uh, according to your word. And uh, we just thank you for all the many blessings that you pour out upon us, Lord. At this time, we just want to take a moment of silent prayer to turn our hearts towards you, to unload the baggage that's weighing us down, the things that are keeping us from seeing you moving in and through our lives, Lord, Uh, all those problems that we have with other people, uh, we just want to take those and leave those at the foot of the cross now so that we can fully turn our attention towards you. So again, Lord, we just thank you for all the many blessings that you pour out on us. We thank you for um, all the gifts that you shower us with. And most importantly, Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son. It's in his holy and precious name we pray. Amen.
3: comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Thank you.
1: pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this is our, our prayer that we would be uh, one in the Spirit and that you would fill us with your Spirit um, al- and as we worship you in this place. Lord, as we transition to um, learning about your word, we would pray um, that you would be with Pastor Tom as he leads us this morning according to your will. Give us open hearts to receive what we need to hear this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Amen, amen. You've got to be gassed. (laughs) Yeah. That was awesome. Praise God. That's why we wear shirts that absorb sweat quickly. There you go. Welcome to Hope. I'm Pastor Tom. It's good to have you with us as we worship God here together today. If you are visiting with us or if you have any prayer requests, we encourage you to fill out this piece of paper in your bulletin. We will follow up with you accordingly. Um, Also, if you're online, you can reach us through our website and send prayer requests that way. We would love to hear from you and uh, be in prayer for whatever needs are ongoing in your life. Um, This is our handy-dandy Hope for Kids printable, which is following along with the themes of the sermon series throughout this year. Um, And the printable is... uh, Just activities for kids and adults who act like kids. Um, And uh, yes, it's perfect for you. Get some crayons, Mike. This is right up your alley. All right. Um, So uh, this is available to, it'll also keep you and your kids on the same page as we go through this current sermon series called Run Through the Bible. We are uh, in the book of Acts today. And uh, this kids printable is all activities related to the themes and scriptures in the book of Acts. It's good stuff. encourage you to uh, avail yourself of it if you have little ones. Um, let's see what else is going on. We have a congregational meeting today after the service. It'll be about 12 minutes after the service, something like that. We'll give those of you who, uh, who like, want to run for the hills time to get out of here Um And then the rest of you uh, who are crazy enough to stick around will have a congregational meeting. The purpose of that meeting is the election of officers. Uh, This past summer, uh, Mike Mitchell and Sean Lester were both elected to, or I'm sorry, nominated to the office of deacon. Uh, They went through my gauntlet of officer training, a lot of reading, um, and uh, they survived that. They sat before the session and were examined on... Well, there well several areas: uh, Bible knowledge, uh, theology, Reformed theology, uh, sacraments, um, the order and government of the church, uh, church history, and their own personal uh, testimony of saving faith in Jesus Christ and sense of call to the office of deacon. Uh, You nominated them, not me. So you've got to decide if they're going to be elected today, and. And I, I, you know, how do I want to say this? What we're doing today is important. Uh, it is really just a final step in a very long and, and serious process, or a process that we take seriously. And so uh, it will feel like a bit of a formality today, um, and that's kind of what it is. It's the final stamp on this process of being nominated, called, and trained, and then elected to this office And so that'll happen, and we will also have an update from our Director of Spiritual Formation uh, during the congregational meeting towards after we've elected officers. So that is coming up as well. Uh, Youth group, tonight, 6 o'clock, right here. That's for grades 6 through 12. We are uh, studying through um, the second chapter of the Book of Acts. We'll actually read the passage in today's material Uh, that the kids are studying for their summer youth sermon series called The Hive. Within a couple of weeks, we will have an actual beehive on the Hope Church property that the youth will help set up and maintain, and they'll learn about the life of bees in a hive, and then they will make connections between life in the hive and life in the church and the book of Acts chapter 2. So it should be a cool summer sermon series this summer coming up. Uh, Lots of things to to dig into there. Um, Let's see. We have the Ladies Connect and Craft is this Friday night. Is that correct? All right. So uh, Brenda Kale is going to teach you how to sling paint like Jackson Pollock. I'm just kidding. Um, But uh, Brenda's going to lead that. There's details in the bulletin if you're interested in coming. You can come even if you have no desire to paint. You can come and hang out. You can come and bring your own crafts and things to do, Uh, so there will be space for you if you wish to be here, and uh, that will be available this, is it Friday night, Pebby? Okay, very good. Um, We have a Discover Hope coming up. Discover Hope is our membership process. We're going to do this one by Zoom on Wednesday nights. We're going to uh, try to include uh, some of the young adults who grew up at Hope and have either moved off or gotten on with their lives and are, are part of the family and fabric of Hope Church but are not officially voting members. So that's going to be one of our targets. But anyone, everyone is welcome. And one of the reasons I tell you that we're going to target those those younger folks is this should be a, a pretty fun and and good Discover Hope. Uh, so we're going to do that Wednesday nights starting May Cinco to Mayo um, May 5th Discover Hope. That'll go, I think, for three, three Wednesday nights. And then if you're interested in joining Hope, I would encourage you to go through Discover Hope. That's our prerequisite for membership. Actually, our our prerequisite is is faith in Jesus Christ. But that's the process through which we confirm that in those who wish to join Hope. You don't have to join if you go through Discover Hope. You might go through Discover Hope and go, these people are flat out crazy, and I don't want anything to do with them. That's okay. That's why we do it, to help you make that decision. Um, We we believe in full disclosure, so that'll be part of that. Um, Let's see. We have a men's retreat coming up in May. We're going to go camp out overnight, two nights at the Lazy U. Uh, If you can't make it both nights, that's fine. Just come out. And hang out with us. We're gonna um, have some some content. As iron sharpens iron, will be the theme of our retreat, and we will um, just engage in some uh, casual time and then some content time, and have some fun and fellowship and build relationships that way. Um, then let's see blueprint coming up. And what do you need me to say, Lois? Okay. Thanks to the amazing Kristen Abram, uh, we have uh, our website has a sign up page for our Blueprint Summer ser- Service Project. Uh, normally, in a, in a, in a normal—I don't really remember having a normal year—but in a normal year, our youth group and the adults who were going with them would go stay in the dormitories down at Blueprint. We would wake up every morning and then pray and go out and serve the the urban community of San Antonio by fixing up houses. Um, what we're gonna do, we sort of similar to what we did last year, a little more robust than what we did last year, but we're gonna have our teams uh, go from their homes, we're gonna set up a carpool system, and you're gonna ride down every day and go serve those communities. We'll have some content and group time Sunday night, Wednesday night, and concluding on Thursday night for Uh, us so that our kids can bond and enjoy some time together Uh, and so that's how we're going to do it we're not doing it residentially this year we're doing it uh, how would you call that daytime service project project. Um, but we will add some value and content and group time to that all are welcome grades sixth and up so it doesn't matter how old you are if you're sixth grade or older uh, you can sign up and be part of this. You can sign up for hopefully the whole week, the Monday through Thursday, and be a part of our group time and everything, um, or you may just have a couple of days available to serve. We'd take you that way as well, I think, um, adults. May, for adults, yeah, yeah, good, good clarification. All right, so, all right, what am I forgetting Oh, Hope for Kids. Okay. So on Mother's Day, May the 9th, we are going to hold a Hope for Kids craft day. So I'll have a children's chat during the service, and then your little ones can go out to a Hope for Kids, probably outside, uh, maybe inside. We'll see. Um, and then there will be a craft that will be perfectly timed for you to give it to your mom for Mother's Day. Right? So you are welcome to go, Mike. You can you can participate. Will there, there will be crayons, I'm sure. Probably well, with Jen in charge, it's probably better than crayons. I'm just saying. Mike would like finger painting. All right, done. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? All right. Let's say a prayer, and as we prepare our hearts for God's word this morning. God, our loving Father, we come before you as we open your word, and we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us this morning through your eternal word. May it be present and real and alive in our hearts today. Lord, as we turn our hearts to your word, we acknowledge before you that we are sinful, that we are in need of your grace and forgiveness as it has been offered to us on the cross through your son, Jesus Christ. We give you thanks for that gift of grace, and the opportunity to be reconciled to you, our loving Father, to know you and to grow in your grace and love throughout this life. We just pray, Father, that you would be with us as we open your word, open our hearts. We give you the relationships in our lives that are strained, and we pray for your peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift before you those whom we know and love who are sick, And we pray your healing mercies over those we love. Lord, we lift up our country and its leaders at every level of government elected and appointed. And we pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift before you those who serve to protect and defend the constitution of this country. And we pray, Father, that you would watch over and protect them we especially lift before you this morning the families and loved ones of those submariner sailors who were lost at sea this past week. We just pray, Father, that you would minister your grace, your healing, your love, your peace to their hearts in the midst of their grief. Our our nation grieves with them, and we just pray your comfort over your people. We lift before you your church Here at Hope and around the world, we pray for the missionaries whom we support, Paul and Elizabeth Branch in Guatemala, John and Diane Davis in Laredo, Texas, Pastor Miguel and Tatiana at our sister church in Camajon, Cuba. We lift up Patchy and his wife Marilyn Casada at the church in Havana that we support and and love. And we pray for Robbie and Joyce Hammed as they continue to develop ministry in your name in Beirut, Lebanon. We pray for Benjamin and Monica Bailey elsewhere in the Middle East, and we just pray your blessing over those works of your spirit in those faraway places. May you bless and grow what you're doing in their midst. We lift up the EPC church plants that we are connected to here in Texas, in Katy, in New Braunfels, and in Austin, and we just pray your blessings over those young works. Fill them with your spirit and lead them into your will. We pray the same for what you are doing here at Hope. We thank you for the gift of being part of this family, and we pray your blessing over your work, your will here at Hope. May your will be done. May your kingdom come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, we are in the midst of a series of messages called Run Through the Bible. We started in the book of Genesis, and we've been just cruising through it at pretty fast speed uh, through first the books or sections of the Old Testament, and just looking at this big, big picture of what God is doing in the Bible, which to put it as, as succinctly as I can, he's, he's threading His promise of grace through every heart and every story in the history of redemption, and then tying it to the cross of Jesus Christ. And so this is what we have been looking at throughout the Old Testament. Now we're in the New Testament. We've clipped through a gospel a week um, for the past four Sundays, and now we come to the book of Acts. I intentionally put the Gospel of Luke, last week I kind of switched Luke and John's places um, so that you could see uh, some of the similarities between these two works. One author, we call him Luke, um, two different works that are connected thematically and and in very important ways with, with enormous implications for us. So this week, we're going to open up to the book of Acts in your New Testaments. And we're going to start right at the beginning. So how? So every time I'm, I'm in involved in looking at a, a book or an, or an entire section of Scripture in this series, I'm trying to ask the question, what's the big idea? What's the, what's the one main idea in this book of the Bible? And for the book of Acts, I, I think... It's fair to distill that main idea down to our mission as Christians. That is, what is God calling out of us in order to fulfill his will here on earth as his people? So that's what we're looking at this morning, is that this the promise that we've been following through the whole Bible leads us to and gives us a mission. The mission to Spread the news, the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's start where Luke starts. We're going to start right where we are in Jerusalem. You'll see what that means in just a second. Um, But that's going to be our starting point is Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to skip to verses 8 and 9. But this initial opening of of the book of Acts, excuse me, um, is really a call to tap into a power that is greater than ourselves. And we'll talk about that in just a second. So Acts one, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And if you remember last week, the opening of the Gospel of Luke starts with him, him talking to his reader, who he calls Theophilus, which is a mouthful of a way of saying someone who loves God. So Luke is writing to people who love God. He, is, he wrote his gospel so that you would know who Jesus Christ is. And he's writing this book. He refers back to his first work where he says he's dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And then I'm gonna just going to jump down uh, to verse 8. And Jesus is speaking here to the 12 disciples, to the 12 apostles. This is right before he's taken up to heaven. You'll see that too. But Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things... As they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Okay. First, let's just talk about how weird that is. Right? You're having a perfectly normal conversation with someone, and he rises up off the ground and is carried away into the clouds. That's never happened to me, Um, and it would have to be a really, really strong cloud to lift me up and carry me away. I'm talking tornado strength. Um, So secondly, let's talk about what it would have felt like in the moments after Jesus disappears into this cloud. So, it's all fine and good if you're following Jesus, and he's the one who's in charge. And he's the one who's leading this whole thing. And he's the one who's going to sacrifice himself for the sake of our sins. And then he says, your turn. I'm out. And disappears. And the twelve must be standing there looking at each other going, is he serious? Uh, uh, Peter? John? Are you kidding? Like, this has got to be some kind of a bad joke. This is a terrible idea. Um, These are mostly fishermen and a tax collector that nobody likes anyway, and what are we going to do? And the eternal God of the universe leaves his mission in the hands of 12 bumbling humans. And he disappears. But before he goes, he says, by the way, because you are bumbling humans, you're going to need something. Wait for it. Wait for the power of God to be poured out upon you through the Holy Spirit. This is the game changer. this is the difference maker in the equation. So these 12, in that moment, before the Spirit comes, after Jesus is gone, have got to be freaking out. And I just I just want us to stop there for a minute and, and realize what a terrifying moment this was in church history. So from there, Jesus ascends into heaven. The spirit comes down. You've probably read the first chapter of the book of Acts at some point in your life. The tongues of fire come down from heaven and rest on each of the apostles, and they begin to speak in languages that they don't natively understand. People hear them speaking in their native languages. There's a big uh, party in Jerusalem, a, a religious holiday, and people hear these fishermen from Galilee speaking in languages that only exist on other sides of the Mediterranean basin. And this miracle results in people asking, like, what's going on? And Peter steps out in front of everyone. The the man who denied Jesus three times steps out in front of this crowd of thousands of people and he preaches, I could say, the best sermon that's ever been given. Um, 3,000, I think, came to Christ that day, the Bible says. Um, did I get that number right, John? All right. John's my fact checker. so um, Peter preaches a sermon, and this is the conclusion of his sermon. So, as we're moving through this thematically, the, 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 the beginning point is Jerusalem. Where is Jerusalem? It is on the corner, the obscure, lost corner of the Roman Empire. Right? There's not much empire past Jerusalem at this point in history. And it's out of the way. It, most people in the Roman Empire have never heard of Jerusalem. Here we are. It all begins here. And Jesus has just told them, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, bye. Right? Peter, in his message to these inquiring people, does something I want you to do. He brings it all back to Jesus. He brings it all back to the person and work of Jesus Christ. So Acts 2, 36 through 39, this is Peter, um, the end, very last lines of Peter's sermon. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. I'm gonna give Peter extra credit for guts, right? Um The one who came to save you is the one you hung on that cross, that you called out from the crowd, crucify him. And verse 37, now when they heard this, this is the crowd, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ For the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Amen. Um, These are powerful words in a powerful moment that bring it all back to Jesus. Folks, the only thing we have as Christians is Jesus. We rely on all sorts of other things in our lives. At the end of the day, the only eternal substance in our faith is the person and work and love of Jesus Christ. This is where it's at. Peter gets it, he preaches it, and the effect of the working and movement of the Holy Spirit through Peter's now learned faithfulness is the result of 3,000 some odd people bowing their, their knee to Jesus Christ at the same time. It's, it's astounding. So Luke, in the second chapter of Acts, still in Jerusalem, moves into chapter, in the rest of chapter 2, and he talks about this growing body of people who are placing their faith and trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And he, at the end of chapter 2, actually describes what it was like to be there. This is the passage our youth group is going to be drawing from for the Summer Youth Sermon Series. And these are, they're each going to pick up a different idea or different aspect of this life in the church and develop it in contrast or in comparison with life in a beehive. Um, but this is the stuff, folks. This is it. This is who we are supposed to be right here, Right, which starts here. It starts with me, it starts with you, it starts in each of our hearts, and in our hearts collectively as the body of Christ, Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Do you see where it begins? It begins with devotion to the word, to the development of our understanding of God's word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe... And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. There's a lot here. (laughs) The bottom line is that we are to plug into our family of faith. We are to roll up our sleeves and be part of this family, this dysfunctional family that we call the church. It's dysfunctional not because of who founded it. It's dysfunctional because I'm in it. So if you ever find, if you're looking for a church and you find the perfect church, get out, because you'll totally mess it up. There's no such thing, okay? So here we are in this powerful picture, and let me just talk about a couple of things. In the first century, Christians were criticized for a few things. I'm going to talk about two of those. One of the accusations against Christians was atheism, ironically enough, and um, they were accused of not believing that Caesar was somehow God or the, the God's living voice on earth or whatever the view was. They, they didn't go for that. And many of them were, were killed for just simply saying there's only one God. Um, the other thing they were criticized for, this is really unusual or really hard to understand for us, Christian communities would give charity to people who were not ethnically of their ilk. So Christian Greeks would see someone from another part of the Roman Empire begging for bread in their city, and they would help them. Here here was the ethic of the first century. You take care of your tribe. Everybody else needs to take care of their tribe. And so if you, if you see if, like, you know, you're driving today and you, you come to the corner of, of 1604 and whatever, and there's a guy with a sign, and he wants money. In the first century, you would only be obligated to help that person if they were from the same ethnic group as you. Anybody else can be completely ignored. They're not your responsibility. Christians... We're going out and caring for the poor regardless of ethnicity. And people thought they were crazy. Here was the argument. What they're doing is not sustainable. There's only so many resources in each ethnic group, and if they start spreading them to every ethnic group, they're going to run out of gas. These people are crazy. They're foolish. They're reckless. I hope that we can be accused of recklessness in the way we love the world, the way we love the poor, the way we love each other, the way we love those around us. So all of this is right where Jesus said to start, at home, in Jerusalem. Then the next section of the Gospel of Luke is this description of the good news of Jesus Christ moving out of Jerusalem and into the surrounding areas, Judea and Samaria. So we're to start at home, where it counts, put our money where our mouth is, serve, love, sacrifice, and then we're to spread it around. We're to move out in Judea and Samaria, spread God's love wherever God leads you. So look at how this happens. There there are three big events in this section of the Gospel of Luke. There's the persecution in Jerusalem. Then there's the conversion of Saul. And then there's Peter preaching the Gospel to a a Greek named Cornelius. We'll, We'll talk about that in a minute. So we're to spread God's love wherever God leads us. Acts 8, the second half of verse 1, and then verse 4. And then there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Can anybody else see what God's doing here? He's using evil to advance his kingdom. He's not using it. He's, he's responding to evil in a way that spreads his love. That's what he's doing. And so he allows this persecution to break out. because so He doesn't want us getting too comfortable. And when we're forced out of our box... And we take the gospel with us, his love spreads. This is exactly what starts to happen. The key thing to notice is at this point in Christian history, everyone who's following Jesus was first Jewish. Now, that's about to change, but first, God knocks Paul, the apo- or Saul, a man named Saul, who will become the Apostle Paul, on his literal keister and blinds him, and Saul has to go find a Christian to understand what's happening. Jesus sends him to a a Christian who tells Saul what's going on and leads him to Christ. So that's another key part of this section, and then I'm going to talk about as we are to spread God's love wherever he leads us, we're to spread God's love to whomever God leads us to. I just said to twice. That was bad grammar. Forgive me. Um, all right. So Peter has a vision of all this unclean food. It's basically the menu at a Cajun restaurant. He's, he, God takes a menu from a Cajun restaurant, sets it in front of Peter, it says, ew, right? So Peter gets the message that, well, here's the question. If I'm going to follow the Jewish Messiah, if I'm going to find salvation through the Jewish Messiah, how Jewish do I have to be? Do I have to first become Jewish and then I can follow the Messiah? Or is God doing something different here? And Peter's revelation of this Cajun menu um, is the signal that everything is changing. Up until this point, all of Christianity was first Jewish. At this point, Peter gets the menu, he, he uh, finds himself in the presence of a man named Cornelius... And he's explaining it all here. Peter is talking. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge over the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. So these people were not eating properly. The men in the group were not properly snipped. They weren't wearing the right clothes. They weren't saying the right prayers, these were complete pagans up until this very moment. The Jews who came with Peter, their jaws are dropped because something extremely radical has just happened. Someone who couldn't possibly be in good standing with God is filled with the very spirit of God that they are filled with. The shock, the disbelief, the the number of questions that would have welled up in their hearts and minds. Hard for us to comprehend because, well, most of us did not start this journey Jewish. The norm is about to change. And Cornelius is that marker of, of this turning point as the gospel begins to move out of Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria, and we are to keep it going to the ends of the earth. So I want you to see a pattern in that passage from Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. Where did life in the church begin? Where did Luke's description begin? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, there's a devotion to God's word at the beginning. We, as a people, are to go deep into God's word. That's our source of strength. Acts eleven twenty-five 25, and 26. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. This is the converted Saul, by the way. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. They also developed the holy hand grenade of Antioch, which I know is what you were thinking. Yes. Yes, sorry. Um, that was a bad allusion to a Monty Python film, which should never be part of a, a sermon, but it's, we're going to just roll with it. Um, all right. So, Barnabas goes and finds Saul, who will who will soon become Paul, brings him to the church in Antioch, which is in Turkey, and what do they do? What do they do? They go deep in the word. They spend a year diving into God's word, going as deep as they possibly can, and after that, look what happens. They go far. Um... Acts thirteen two through 4. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And the, the, the list goes on and on and on and on of the places that they will go preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Before we go far, we must go deep. We must stay grounded in God's word if we are to spread his love. So what happens later? We're going to read a passage from Acts 13, verses 48 and 49. And when the Gentiles heard this, this is, again, a sermon to non-Jewish people, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. So, this is the story that you are a part of. This story of God's love and God's word spreading to the ends of the earth. Um, folks, we're sitting on the ends of the earth. If you were in Jerusalem, Judea, or Samaria, or Antioch at the time these words were written. You are the fulfillment of, of what Jesus said to his 12 apostles. You are here because the power of the holy spirit has not stopped moving through the hearts of men and women since this story began. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. You are chapter 29. Let me read to you from the end of the book. This is I didn't have room to put this in your outline, but this is Acts 28 verses 30 and 31. This is, the end of, this is the very end of Luke's Acts of the Apostles. This is talking about Paul, who has been um, accused of blasphemy by the Jews and, and sentenced to death. And he has to appeal his sentence to Caesar. So he's gone on this long journey with shipwrecks and snake bites and all kinds of things until he finally ends in Rome. And this is Paul in Rome, Acts 28, 30, and 31. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I don't know if you caught it, but this message of God's grace through Jesus Christ starts in one of the most obscure corners of the Roman Empire, Jerusalem. The book of Acts ends in the capital of the Roman Empire, with Paul sharing the gospel to people there. Um. This was somewhere in the early 60s AD. This is within 30 years of Jesus' crucifixion, death, and resurrection. Paul, the, the message of Jesus Christ has moved from this obscure corner of the universe to the center of power and is being proclaimed with boldness in the capital of the known world. Again, God hasn't stopped. And I I always marvel at this movement of his spirit. It it is truly unstoppable. What, What he is doing in you is greater than your sin. It's greater than your fears. It's greater than anything you can throw against it. Because it's all fueled by the power of God through the Holy Spirit in accordance with His Word by the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Will you pray with me? God our Father, we marvel at Your Word, at the ways in which You have poured out Your Spirit upon this earth, such that Your Word is fulfilled not only through the work of Your Son on the cross and through his resurrection and ascension to your right hand. But your word is fulfilled through the broken souls that you fill with your spirit and send out to do your will. Lord, we acknowledge that we question your wisdom in sending us. We are broken, we are hurting, we are confused. And yet, we are filled with the power of your Holy Spirit And given the two-edged sword of your word, and defined, redefined, by the strongest force in the universe, your love for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, to be those who spread your love at home and everywhere around us and to the ends of the earth. May your will be done and your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Isaiah 9-2
0: Good morning. My name is Scott Lawler. I'm one of the elders here at Hope Church, and we've come to our time of offertory. This is a time of personal reflection. We do not pass a plate here at Hope Church. We believe this is a private act between you and God. We do have a bucket in back if you so choose to give there, and we also have many ways to give electronically. This is a time for us to reflect on the message that Tom has given to think about our time, our talents, everything we give back to God as we look. And what a perfect message here that, you know, God really has a mission or a purpose for each one of us. He meets us where we are at. He goes out and he chooses each one of us. We are all so different yet he can use each one of us based on our own spheres of influence, based on our own experiences. And it's not about whether we're worthy or not. The disciples, when Jesus ascended, they were afraid. Just like many of us, when we first come to Christ, wondering, how are you going to use me? It's not about me. It's knowing that God has a purpose and he has a plan. Just as early with the disciples, Jesus takes them across the lake, takes them across Galilee, and he goes and he meets the people in what the disciples would consider the bad part of town. Where I shouldn't be, this is where no good Jewish boy should go. But yet, When they have to leave Jerusalem and spread, guess where they go? Exactly to that location because God had a plan. He had introduced in these towns, had heard of him. They knew. And just like when you think of a pond out there and you throw a stone in it, there's a rippling that goes through. Each of us have our own ponds, our own sphere of influence, And what is comforting to know is that it's not about my abilities. It's not about no one gets converted because of what I say or what I do. It's through God, and he is able to do that. When we look at the verse uh, Romans 8.28, Paul writes, We know that in everything God works for good for those who he loved, sorry, for works for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. We're just to spread the word. The conversion happens through God, not through us. But that is our mission. That is our purpose in life. As the music plays, please take a moment and reflect. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, you meet me every day where I'm at. Continue to use each one of us in our spheres of influence to further your kingdom, to bring your word, your news to the unchurched, to allow them to have the wonderful relationship each one of us have with you. In your precious name we pray.
2: like to invite you all to stand as we close our worship today in this one last song.
3: I just want to point out a couple things that you just witnessed. Um, so a, lo- a lot of churches like try to try to stay in the lane of either being traditional in their music or contemporary in their music, and, and what you just experienced was what happens when you give godly people freedom to search His Word and what where, where you've seen where, where there's godly, the godly people po- over there maybe yeah well <laughs> but the, the so we had a little uh is it abraham cowper the kevin twitt oh. and
1: Anne steel
3: Anne Steele. so chris the voices of christian poets from centuries william. before us william cowper thank you um but the tune was rewritten by a guy named Kevin Twitt. I actually went to a seminary with Kevin, um, and one of the most creative people I've ever met. And his his goal was to take all the rich content of the old hymns and and repackage them in music that people could actually uh, approach in in their context. Um, but we had a little Graham Kendrick, kind of kind of the in a little Rich Mullins. You know, but Graham, Graham's kind of where the the Jesus movement hits, the charismatic movement, um, brilliant Christian heart. Uh, Rich Mullins is a whole other story. We could talk for a long time about his contribution to modern hymnody. hymnody. Um, but what you just experienced was what happens when you just give freedom to the people. The godly people who are called to to lead you in in worship, and it's just a beautiful example of faithfulness in in your callings as you uh, bear these things out in real time. Thank you. Um, the apostles, particularly the ones who were and the followers who were with Peter when he was in Cornelius's house, were shocked that. Non Jews were receiving the gospel in the Holy Spirit. They should not have been. Um, let's see. God says to Abram in Genesis chapter twelve. Uh, let's. Oh, I lost it. It's right here. I promise. Verse three. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonor you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Jesus is the descendant of Abram who will fulfill these words, who did fulfill these words. And the explosion of the gospel to the ends of the earth is still happening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. May you go in his peace.